0: How do we build better men? That's a question that we often ask ourselves here on this podcast. Today, our guest, who is a comedian, actor, author, and father, and has written a book called A Better Man, A Mostly Serious Letter to My Son. Stay tuned after these messages. Listeners, I know that you
1: sometimes feel like your home is bursting with the boundless energy of your boys mine has been for a very long time we want to tell you about home threads where style meets the wild adventures of raising boys at homethreads.com, you can find a collection of uh, furniture and home accessories designed to meet the needs of your growing boy family they have everything from durable bunk beds to upscale gaming tables you can turn your home into an attractive, durable playground, believe it or not. Uh, Janet and I both love their baking dishes. Solid, beautiful, functional. Anything you need for your home, you can likely find on HomeThreads.com, and we have a discount code for you. Go to HomeThreads.com onboys You can get a code for 15% off your first order because every leap, laugh, and loud moment deserves a space that embraces the chaos with
0: style. Home Threads, love where you live. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. I'm your co-host, Janet Allison of boysalive.com with my co-host, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net. Welcome. I get to talk to
1: Janet. Every week, and share with her some of my boy raising frustrations and get encouragement and input. And now, listeners, you can too. Her Decoding Your Boy program includes monthly support, and the themes are everything that you are worried about school and homework, screen time and video games, siblings, the importance of dad. Janet, you've got everything here.
0: You know, I've been listening to parents for, what, 20 years now, and things center around a theme, and we know that there's always the boy development questions and the boy communication questions, but wrapping them around a theme actually enables us to get our heads around it. So Decoding Your Boy is a monthly program you can join any time throughout the year, And we get on Zoom together. You are live with me. This is not recorded videos. It's not a course. This is what's going on for you right now. What are your questions? I'm going to be answering them. We're going to be doing some coaching together. It is on the spot, real time, with me, live. I want you to be able to forge that deeper relationship with him that you have long desired. And that you all deserve to have. So go to boysalive.com slash decode. No matter what time of the year you're hearing this, you are welcome. You can join us. We meet on the 1st and 15th of every month. Decoding your boy. Less whining, more connecting. Isn't that what we all want, Jen? It's what I want. Boysalive.com slash Decode. And I look forward to having you join me in this unique group program. And now on boys. Just a little heads up. The sound might be a little funny. Jen and I are both joining remotely and Michael's outside. So bear with any background noise you hear. Thanks.
1: How do we build better men? That question has been on my heart and on my mind for the better part of two decades. It's why I do what I do. It's why Janet does her work. It's why we do this podcast. And this question is as important as ever. It is critically important for all of us. And it is a question that today's guest has asked and attempted to answer in his book, A Better Man, a mostly serious letter to my son. Joining us today is comedian, actor, author, and father, Michael Ian Black. Hi. Hello, how are you?
2: Super duper.
0: Great to have you.
2: Great to be here.
1: So we set this interview up a long time ago. After the 2018 shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Florida, you were moved and you tackled this question you wrote an op-ed for the new york times uh it got a lot of play the op-ed is the boys are not all right and you pointed out girls aren't the ones pulling the triggers it's boys it is almost always boys america's boys are broken and it's killing us i wish that wasn't so damn relevant
2: yeah unfortunately it's uh it's always relevant i mean that's that's the bummer of it, is that I knew, when I, was writing, I knew when I was writing the book, and it was inspired by that shooting at a high school in Florida, that it wouldn't be the last. Um, in fact, as I was finishing writing the book, there was another one. And now, as we're having this conversation, there was another one a few days ago.
1: Mm-hmm. This is something that we clearly need to keep talking about and you do your work, and I do my work, and Janet does her work, you know, it can seem overwhelming. Start with some words of encouragement, if you could. For all the parents who are listening, and you know as well as I do, the people who are listening, we really want to do better. We want to be part of the
2: solution. Well, the place of encouragement to start from is that the boys, boys in general, for all of our problems and we have them and uh they are they are not insignificant we're okay i mean boys like girls are resilient and strong and creative and adaptable and need uh some attention and guidance and love and we can figure ourselves out we can move forward in positive and constructive ways conversations like this i hope will keep that progress going boy boyhood and manhood does not need to be reinvented it does not need to be uh even i would say altered significantly it needs to be enhanced and expanded but the things that make your boys boys those are by and large good things and and should be encouraged and um supported along with other things
0: i totally agree with you and coming into my mind is the post on social media and my facebook group from a mom of a young boy about gun play and we know boys play with guns and they'll play with sticks and all of those all of that
1: and, toasts, pop and
0: toast pop yeah yeah and and i and i'm i'm thinking of all our listeners around the globe and and it's what jen said we do want to do better we are one on one doing better and in our in our communities i believe that we are doing better and then there's You know, there's the boys that become the shooters, and they're the ones who have fallen through the cracks. They're the ones who have given so many warning signs. And Jen just wrote an article about all the red flags, and it's like there's nowhere to go. Even if a even if a a peer saw a threatening post, where do they go? And and so it's this larger system. I think that that for me is the frustration that the system isn't working and how do we affect change at that level?
2: Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know question.
0: any... Small question. Small no, I, I question, Michael. <laughs> well, I, I,
2: I don't know how, you know, reporting systems work. I don't know how um, social services work. I don't know any of that. And while I think it's important to talk about these shooters, I mean, really important and they raise big questions. And while it's it's those kinds of events that generate the most headlines and certainly got me to write my book, I find myself more interested in the day-to-day small work of parenting and small work of boyhood and manhood. Um, the, the guys who were never going to become mass shooters, but do have... Um, issues that they don't know how to deal with, that they they Uh may feel stifled in their masculinity, they may feel trapped in their masculinity, and they're looking for ways to more fully express themselves as men. The ones who commit spectacular acts of violence, they're fortunately, those are outliers, Um, these are not yet common events, although they're far too common, but the day-to-day stuff, that's the stuff where most of my attention is focused. I
1: love that you said that too, because that day-to-day stuff, it means where each of us live and in that, you know, love, guidance, uh, the silly, stupid stuff that happens, you know, raising our children, stumbling over their shoes, um, the stench of their soccer cleats, uh, the backpack that they didn't bother unpacking until it's once again the first day of school, and you don't even know what that is on the bottom, right? It's in those (laughs) moments where we create these connections, and I think, I don't want to dismiss the, the big picture, but if we are so focused on, like, how do i make sure my kid's not a mass shooter we can miss a lot of the fun along the way
2: yeah <laughs> thankfully most of our kids are not going to grow up to be mass shooters <laughs> most of our kids are going to grow up and they're going to be okay boys and girls we i do trust that humanity has survived for many many years um generation after generation and most people grow up and function and do okay. That being said, there are some real issues going on with boys that need to be addressed. Um, Real practical stuff. Um, The fact that boys are graduating at lower rates uh, from college Mm -hmm. than girls right now. That's not to take anything away from girls. It's great that they're graduating at such high numbers, but why are boys rates declining? Right. Um, We see that the marketplace for the, the the jobs in 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 the contemporary marketplace tend to are are favoring people who have uh, creativity and empathy and are good listeners and are good collaborators and these are all attributes that are historically attributable attributed more to women than to men so we have to encourage our boys to develop these attributes not just for their own psychological well-being, but so they can make a living in the 21st century. Um, in addition to the fact that they'll just be happier, more well-rounded individuals if they develop those parts of themselves.
1: It can be so hard. you know. I think if I did my math right, your son and one of mine are similar in age. How old is your son now? 21. Okay. I have a 21-year-old son too, so we're you know raising kids at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's so challenging when you can see as a parent all this value in empathy and collaboration, creativity, these things we're talking about, the value to our boys, both as humans and as you know, potential people in the workplace and relationships. And our boys are coming up in society that hasn't yet fully decided if we're gonna value these things in guys. Mm-hmm. Um I know I watched my son, you know, struggle because some of the typical, stereotypical guyish, and I'm putting air quotes under this, you know, boorish behavior, the way boys sometimes talk with each other. It's like, they're trying to fit in. And I'm over mm-hmm. here as a parent going, hmm, did you deal with some of that with your son?
2: Um, Yes, maybe in a different way. So okay. my son's like friend group wasn't quite like that. They weren't like, you know, that sort of typical boyish boy behavior. But I did notice and continue to notice that um, my son does sort of retreat um, into that kind of guy shell. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think he struggles sometimes to break out and kind of be his full self, I will say, I think he's more emotionally mature at his age than I was at that age, uh, which is a good thing. Some of that is just, you know, coming into your own and and maturity. Some of it I think is sort of learned male behavior.
0: What were some things in your growing up that highlight this, what we're talking about and that stand out for you of this inside outside that we talk about the masks or you talked about the shell. When did that become apparent to you as you were growing up?
2: For me, the uh, most apt example is when my dad died, I was 12 and Mm -hmm. I didn't deal with it in any way. I just shut down and uh, didn't know how to deal with it, didn't know how to talk about it, didn't want to talk about it, didn't want to reach out, didn't want to ask for help. Help wasn't really offered to me in any way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just kind of retreated and didn't really emerge for 30 years. You know, Uh just went into a hole and kind of covered myself up a little bit it wasn't you know it wasn't entirely bleak i mean i functioned and i you know i had relationships and i think i was a good friend and a good partner and all of that but there definitely was a part of me that just stayed buried and um had to learn how to dig myself out
1: it's a coping strategy you know mm-hmm. at 12 you just needed to stay as safe as you could and be able to get through the day and at that moment it was i can't deal with this You didn't know how, how could you?
2: You're, you're 12. Yeah, that's right. But some of it also had to do with, I know it had to do with being a boy and being unwilling and afraid to emote, to ask for help, to, um, show vulnerability. I, so I didn't, I just, and and like I said, like, that set me up in a pattern of uh, withdrawal that lasted, you know, a long time and continues to last to some extent. I'm working on it.
0: I hear from parents all the time how bath time can be such an ordeal. And yet bath time can be really fun. In fact, here in the very cold winter, we use bath time as an activity. Dabble and Dollop has got this dialed in because they have bath products that are not only natural, healthy, free of toxins, all the things we want for our kids, but they're fun. Jen, you said when your boys were young, they loved to make potions.
1: My son Tyler had so much fun mixing things together, making potions, recipes, He would have loved Dabble and Dollop's Day at the Beach bath mixing set because it's a collection of soap scents and a little mixing thing and your kids can combine scents and make their own creations. It is exactly the kind of thing that can turn bath time into a fun, enjoyable, creative endeavor instead of just a
0: And I will say the bubbles have been bow tested in the bathtub and they last. They stay bubbles for a long time. Dabble and Dollop has everything from bath time shampoos, bubble baths, body washes, conditioners, lotions, bath bombs, bath toys and accessories. There's so many things to explore at Dabble and Dollop. Go to
1: com slash onboys to get 20% off your first order. That's com slash onboys. 20% off for being an onboys listener. One of the things that's difficult for me as a parent, you know, you you go through stuff. Uh, there's something about having kids that shows you the things you haven't dealt with yet, you know, um, the things that you're working on but could still work on. And the things you realize, you know, you realize now as a, as a full-grown adult, yeah, this was my coping strategy then. And it, it got me through, but there were some issues with that. It affected me. And so you want to help your son and other boys, you know, not go to that place for 30 years, for instance. So you, among other things, you, you parent and you write this book, you know, a letter to my son. And I'm first of all really curious. Has he read it? No. Thank you. I have a 21 year old. That is fully the answer I expected,
2: and I so <laughs>
1: appreciate telling you that.
2: <laughs> no, he, he, of course he hasn't read it. I'll read it when I'm. He'll read it when I'm dead. If then.
1: Which will be fine. Because Aren't... at 21 you've done the work of parenting him and he's where he's at right now. And you and I and Jan and every, like, there's so much growth that's going to happen yet after 21.
2: Mm-hmm. And also there's nothing in that book that I think will surprise him in right. terms of, you know, I hope I've done a good enough job as a parent and modeled the kind of behavior that I would hope to see that, that he, you know, He's not gonna he's not gonna he's not gonna be floored when he opens the book and he's like i can't believe my father thought that
1: mm-hmm, no I mean, right. it's,
2: it's, it's the sort of day-to-day stuff that hopefully i've been living in front of him and, and that he's been witnessing um you know there's probably anecdotes and stories and things that may surprise him but the sort of larger themes of it no that's all stuff that he already knows i believe
1: how many times, Janet, have we talked about the importance of the role modeling?
0: Absolutely, yeah. Because that goes, I feel like that goes to the soul level rather than, you know, it's not the surface stuff, it's the deeper stuff. And that, you know, we know as we parent, we're parenting like our parents parented us. And so hopefully this is the generation where it kind of switches and they actually have some, have some things to role model some goodness to role model not that our parents weren't good i'll i'll put that blanket statement out there but as jen and i have talked about there's you know there's some things that we wanted to do differently than our parents did and so some of, course, of that is so
2: every generation.
0: yeah so it's that unspoken just living by example place for sure
1: well and it's i can't tell my boys to treat other people with respect. If I'm disrespecting everybody I come in contact with, if I'm going off on, you know, the cashier at the gas station because he couldn't help me right away, it doesn't matter how many lectures I give about respect if I'm not living it.
2: Yeah, but let's be honest. That was a terrible cashier. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, Why did I mention the cashier at the gas station as an example? Yeah, there might be
2: something there. um yeah i mean it's you know it's simple stuff we all know that we all know that you know we have to model the behavior that we want to see in our kids and uh hopefully we do that now look i'm not holding myself up to be a a great parent i think i did okay um i certainly made all the mistakes that every parent makes i continue to make mistakes i continue to screw up i hope that maybe i'm slightly above average in acknowledging when i've screwed up and um at least, you know, working on trying not to screw up the same way again. Although, inevitably, I do because we all live—we you know, all live in patterns, and and it's hard to break those patterns.
1: In your book, you reference an old SNL skit. ¿Quién es más macho? What is more macho? And I don't actually remember ever seeing that skit but it's so obviously apparent, a game that you can play with anything and we all know the answers.
2: It's why the sketch is funny. It was written in 1977. And the premise of it is it's a Spanish language game show where Bill Murray is showing basically uh, two celebrities and he's saying, who is more macho? And then the the, the celebrities on the show uh, uh, are Ricardo Montalban and Lorenzo Lamas. And the contestants have to say which one is more macho. And these are both like, you know, sort of classically macho Latino actors. And it's absurd. But what's funny about it is that you can sort of surmise an answer based on nothing other than the shared vocabulary that all of us have without really fully being aware of it. So you can play that game with anything. And I give some examples in the book, like what's more macho? Coffee or tea? You know, what's more macho? Uh a German shepherd or a poodle. You know, you can you can do it with anything and you yeah, will like, all kind of instinctively know the answer.
1: What's more macho? Butter or margarine?
2: Butter. Like, are you kidding? Right?
1: <laughs> we all know that answer instantly. And we are talking about food.
2: Yep. And we both instantly know the answer and I can even explain the answer because margarine was considered the healthier alternative at one point to butter. Um, and any, anytime you're concerned with your health, as a man, it's feminizing. If you're at all concerned about how long am I going to live? Or is this gonna, is this, you know, is this good for me? That's feminizing. So butter, because it's full fat, uh, and comes from an animal, that's more macho. It's ridiculous. And yet you can do it about literally anything.
1: I have found myself thinking about that so much since I read it because it is true and it helps us see the shared vocabulary that we all have. And we all know, and that parents, our boys are living with this.
2: Yeah. And, you know, you, any any, any person will be fluent in this language, probably by age five or six without fully being aware of it. And when you start to deviate from it, when you decide as a boy, I want to wear the pink shirt today, you understand that you're running a risk of being portrayed as more girlish than your contemporaries. So a boy will refuse to wear a pink shirt. And it's a color, you know. It really has nothing to do with anything. But the, the landmines are are all around us. As boys, any time if we step in the wrong place, we're gonna be. We risk being mocked or made fun of, teased, you know. And yeah. and that's 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 tough.
1: I plan on playing this game, game show style. I have four boys, Michael. <laughs> uh, they range in age from sixteen to twenty-four right now. Janet, how much fun do you think we can have sitting around the table playing this game, which also, you know, I'm sneaky. I mean, it is a subtle discussion of, hey, this is our cultural conception of masculinity and kind of crazy, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Butter or margarine.
0: It is completely crazy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And we y- yeah. all knew the answer.
1: Okay, I have to ask you this question because, you know, like, you're a funny guy. So class clowns class clowns often tend to be boys. One of mine was tagged a class clown early on. And you know, I saw for him, he tried not to disrupt the class, except for when he thought it was worth it. And this would really make people laugh. And so, you know, some of our kids, I don't want to excuse bad behavior, but they find ways to to use their creativity and connect with their peers. And I actually wrote I actually wrote a blog post called In Praise of Class Clowns. And I'm just wondering, you know, what your thoughts here are for for those of our parents who may have a boy who fits that definition.
2: I think for a lot of students, kids in school, boys and girls, school, maybe for most, can feel kind of stultifying. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe boys more than girls have, tend to have a harder time just on focused, still activity. And so it's unsurprising that certain boys will be attracted to that kind of, um, you know, for lack of a better word, disruptive behavior. Where they're expressing themselves, you know, it's a kind of creative outlet. It might not necessarily be entirely positive, um, because it does disrupt. Right. And you know, I'm sure it's maddening for teachers, but it is funny.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's got to be moments. You were a first grade teacher. Oh my god. I know, as a parent, there are times when my kids did things that I know I can't laugh at in front of them. But oh my God, that's
0: funny. Yeah, wait till you get down to the teacher's room and talk about what happened. Yeah, there's plenty of funny moments, and you are trying to maintain some some order and some flow in the classroom. But and I think it's valuable to just give it over and laugh with them mm-hmm. because we don't always have to be so serious as the adults. Right? Yeah. Right? yeah.
1: So it has now been about two years since your book first came out. and you know, a few things have happened since then Covid, for instance, and you know, uh, more mass shootings and more reports of sexual abuse and you know war broke out in Ukraine. And of course, there's been a, you know there have been good things. um, but from your vantage point, are there things that if you were writing the book today, you know, you would want you would want to add or thoughts you've had since it came out where you're like oh i wish i'd remembered and i put that in
2: no i mean i think the sort of big thematic stuff that i wrote then i would write now there's not a lot that i would add to it you know there's specific things that have happened since i wrote it that surprised me although they shouldn't have like the you know the, the politicization of mask wearing for example which became a kind of mandate i think on in some ways on masculinity
1: yeah ¿Quién es más macho.
2: right master unmasked and uh we in a in, in a certain in a, in a very rare way we gendered science it's absurd but it happened it will continue to happen i i couldn't have foreseen it, I guess, but in retrospect, it doesn't surprise me that it happened.
1: Yeah, as we're having the conversation, it does feel like, why didn't we see that? And and yet, gendering science, uh, especially when, you know, we had had for a while this uh, cultural conception that science and math are for boys, I don't understand. Right.
2: But we've done, we've made like really good strides in the last few decades of dismantling that idea. And we continue to make really good strides in dismantling that idea. And yet, you know, something like climate change is also a kind of weird referendum on your masculinity. And again, it's that butter margarine thing. If you claim to care about the health of the earth, as a certain kind of man it's feminizing
1: from your vantage point today this book's been out in the world your son is 21 he is a full-fledged adult and i'm putting air quotes around that too because anybody right uh but from your vantage point today what would you say are maybe the top two or three things that parents can do to build better men
2: well, the first thing I think is obvious and, and difficult. And that is to be for your sons and for your daughters, the kind of person you want them to grow into. It gets back to modeling behavior. And the reason it's so difficult is, it, is, it's because, is because it will necessitate you doing work on yourself and finding those roadblocks you have as an adult, yeah. um, and really examining them, and looking at them, and seeing how you can overcome them. Yeah. Um, honestly, I feel like that's that's the most important thing. That's any really of us it, can do. isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then just listen. You know, just listen and 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 take them seriously. Take them seriously as people. You know. Um, Give them respect.
0: Value all of those little conversations. And, you know, they're talking to you about Fortnite again. I know your kids are probably past that. But all of those little moments deserve the respect and the regard of just simply listening. And I always think reassurance is an important part of this, too. Of, like, you Mm -hmm. are okay exactly how you are. It's And you're Mm -hmm. going to be okay. You will... Grow through this if you're having a hard time right now. So listening and reassuring.
2: Yeah, I think that reassuring component is really important. And it doesn't have to be, you know, hand stroking and, and hugging, although that stuff is great. But just in in listening and reflecting back, you know, you're reassuring, you know, and mm-hmm. just being there mm-hmm. and, and treating them with the respect that and understanding that if they're talking to you about Fortnite, it's because that's important to them and they trust you to hear what they have to say about something that's important to them and and you know even though you don't give a shit about Fortnite, treat that as a gift because it is yeah
1: you know i've known for a long time you know if it's important to them and they're that excited i need to listen it's a bid for connection until you were talking i never fully realized how obvious it is clearly my kids know, I know nothing about Fortnite. I have no uh, intelligence skills or tips. If they wanted to talk to somebody about Fortnite who knew something, I would be the last person they'd come to.
0: Right.
2: But they want to share that with you. And that's that's a tremendous act of trust on their part. So receive it. Yeah, we'll
0: you yeah.
2: Um, yeah. Your
1: book is A Better Man, a Mostly Serious Letter to My Son, it is now out in paperback it's beautiful it's easy to read it's uh like truly you can just pick it up and flip through it while you're eating your lunch or whatever breakfast and feel encouraged laugh a little bit um think it's available all over the place um where else can people you know learn more about what you're up to these days what are you up to these days what do you have coming out
2: I'm touring a bit, acting a little bit, you know, just doing regular showbiz stuff. But you can find me on Twitter. That's basically where I live, at Michael Ian Black.
1: And uh, do you post, like, upcoming shows and stuff on Twitter if people want to know where they can catch you? Okay. Uh, uh,
2: MichaelIanBlack.com has my upcoming shows and stuff.
1: All right. We will put that all in the show notes, listeners. Michael, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: My pleasure.
0: Thank you, Michael. Thank you for listening. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We appreciate you, our listeners. We hope that you will share this with a friend if you find it valuable and entertaining and insightful. Also, don't forget decoding your boys, less yelling, more connecting. That is your opportunity to join me for a group program. We meet live twice a month. And we talk about what is going on for you, boysalive.com decode. I would love to have you join our global community of like-minded parents that want to raise the best kids they can. And I'm here to support you to do that, boysalive.com decode. Thanks again for listening. We are Janet Allison of boysalive.com and Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net.